how much he uh, sits at the foot of Jesus um, and hears. Uh, so whatever he's crafting has been uh, the fruit of a lot of labor, a lot of listening, and um, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of effort. <laughs> so um, just pray that you will bring us the word that will release our hearts, that will do us good, mm. and bring us close to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Just waiting for a nod from Chris to say we're okay. We've got the sound levels about right. We've got this wonderful new sound system that the guys are uh, really wrestling with at the moment. And they're, they're doing a great job. But you'll have seen lots of activity this morning as they get this new sound system up and running. These guys do so much work in the background to, uh, to bless us on a Sunday morning. Chris, is it where I'm standing? It's okay. Up on the platform. <laughs> Thank you. Right, that might be a bit of a challenge, but we'll do that. Is that better? I hate being up here. It's not making any difference. Good, I can go back into my comfort zone. <coughs> As I was preparing, there was that, uh, that great hymn was in my mind, and I was so glad uh, that Jess uh, uh, led us in, uh, in singing that this morning. Uh, I know it gave her a bit of a challenge musically, but uh, that was in, my, it was in my mind, that blessed trinity as I was preparing. So it was great to be able to sing that. Sometimes it's great to, to go back into those old hymns, isn't it? That I remember singing that uh, as a youngster in school assembly in the days when we used to have school assemblies. And the words kind of go over the top of your head a bit. You don't really take them in. But it's only when you dwell on the words in some of those old hymns that you realize the truth uh, that's there in them. For the, if you're a visitor this morning... God has spoken into us as a church that we are in a new era as a church. And he's given us a vision around that new era. And part of that vision is that everything we do will be based upon the Bible and upon Scripture. And so we take Scripture very seriously. And so this morning's talk is very much in that theme of the new era and around biblical truth. I'm going to go, it's going to be a bit like peeling an onion this morning. I'm going to start at the top with some real truths, some statements, and then I'm going to gradually work my way down until we get to some scripture that underpins all that. So um, stay with me. 
it's going to take a while to work down through those levels, but we'll get there. The question I was asking myself as I was preparing was, who is it that we're praying to? When we come before God in prayer, who is it that we're building a relationship with? What have we got in our mind as we come before God? Is it that man who was nailed to the cross? Is it the man who came to earth and died and ascended to heaven? Is it an old guy sitting on a throne in heaven? Was it Charlton Heston who was the sort of the supposedly the epitome of Moses, you know, that, that type of image? Some of you remember that, others it's going completely over your heads, but never mind. And even many of us have read the book The Shack, where God is this ebullient woman of colour. Um, is that your picture of God? So let's try and just go down through and unpack some of that. But as we seek to understand God, we have to understand that we're not God. That however much we stand on that scripture in, in Genesis 1.27, where it says that man and woman were made in God's image... We're not called to take that literally. Because yes, we were made in God's image, but I would submit only part of that image of God. So however much we try and understand God, our understanding is going to be very, very limited. And so we shouldn't ever try and, and squeeze God into an earthly perception. And quite often the models that we try and come up with, they're limited by our own perceptions of what the earth is and, and around us, our own experience. My own journey started because I'd heard about God as three in one, the Trinity, and as I started to explore scripture, I went further and further, and I realized that the definitive work on the Trinity was actually created, was generated, was discerned over 1,600 years ago. And in fact, it was the, the Bishop of Hippo who we came, we came to know as St. Augustine, who wrote the definitive work on the Trinity that has stood the test of time ever since. And so we stand today on, as Christians on truth that was discerned 1,600 years ago and has stood the test of time ever since. 
And it's not really surprising, is it, that the, one of the first things that the early church fathers tried to do was to understand the nature of God. And uh, Augustine spent 20 years of his life searching for that truth. Uh, he didn't have Bible Gateway or a, a Concordance or a Strong's or whatever. He was doing it all from the, uh, from the original texts. So it's my job to try and condense 20 years of study into the next 25 minutes. <laughs> so our understanding of God and his nature is central to our relationship with him. It's building that relationship in prayer means that we need to understand who it is that we're actually praying to. And I'm as guilty as anybody else of praying out loud and throwing out, as if at random, Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, Lord. And if we understand who it is and we have that revelation of who it is that we're talking to, then we can have a far more effective and empowered relationship with our God. It's also by knowing the nature of God and really understanding that, that our confidence comes in the forgiveness of our sins. It's knowing who God is that gives us that confidence that whatever our sins that we've committed and how wonderful that we had that picture this morning calling us to remove those boulders from within us. Whatever those sins are, however horrendous we feel they are, the price has been paid. The price has been paid and we can stand before the throne of God washed clean. We can stand before the throne of God without that condemnation. We can stand before the throne of God knowing that we have an eternity with Christ. So these people that are concerned at the moment about COVID-19, yes, it's serious, but we know that when we die, it's just a change of address. It's just a change of address. And we know that we're going to a far better place. And it's only by understanding God who came down to earth and paid the price. Because only God himself could have paid that price that wiped out all that sin. And as I said earlier, that perception, that understanding, that revelation, that discernment of God as three in one has been foundational for Christian belief for over 1,600 years. But what does it mean for us as a church? There we go. I'd submit that our relationships within church need to mirror 
the relationship between Father, Son and Holy Spirit in the Trinity. Through God's grace, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. Because we have the Holy Spirit living within us, then we can love our brothers and sisters. Not in the natural, because in the natural, we couldn't love our brothers and sisters in the way that Christ calls us to. But it's only through the Holy Spirit at work in us that we're able to do that. And a clearer understanding of the Trinity, God as three in one, helps us to explain our relationship with God, helps us to explain God far more clearly to those who we come into conversation with. So what is it that we believe? On the SCF website, there are 13 statements of belief that lay out very clearly what we as SCF believe are the foundational truths that we as a church family here at SCF stand on. Number one on that list is what you've got there on the screen. And that says quite clearly about the nature of God There's only one true holy God who's always existed and will always exist, i.e. he exists eternally, in three equal persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everything in heaven and on earth, all that we can see and all that we can't see, comes from the Father. But everything that has been created has come through the Son. Yeah? So that's the the basic belief. In summary, if you take nothing else away from this morning, this is it. There's one God. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Father's not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. So the Father is the ultimate source of all creation. The Holy Spirit can't be separated from the essence, and I'll come back to the essence in a, in a moment. And the Son has always been part of the Godhead. Always has been, always will be. So, is unchanging. That immortal, invisible, God-only wise, immortal. He's always lived and he always will live. Everything that has been created has come through the Son, as I said earlier on. And then Jesus Christ, as we sang this morning, the Son has came down in bodily form. We talk about this word incarnation. 
As Christians, we love these big, complicated words. All incarnation means is that God came down, the Son came down and took bodily form and walked on this earth, lived on this earth. He was born of a virgin, and yet he was still divine, and yet he was still full, fully human. So this man, Jesus, who walked this earth was still God because God can't change. If he's always immortal, if he's immortal, then he's, he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And yet he was fully human. And so he, he was tempted in the same way that you and I are. He felt the same things that you and I feel. And yet he died on that cross without sin. You still with me? Yeah? So we're going to start going down into some depth now, having summarized where we were going. So let's look at what we don't believe, should we? The monarchism would propose that there's only one person, mono, and that person has different attributes. That's not what we believe. There's then this theory around modalism. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all different names for the same God acting in different ways. Quite often, as people have tried to squeeze God into an earthly concept, they've talked about water. And they've talked about water being ice, liquid, and steam or vapor. That plays to this modalism. That's not what we believe. Arianism believes that Jesus literally is the Son of God, that the Son literally is the Son of God, and therefore was created by God, and therefore is a created being. The JWs believe this. If the Son is not God, then how could all of our sins been washed away. And then there's tritheism, which goes completely against the belief that there's one God because it says there are three gods, three distinct persons, three separate gods. All of these theories fall into the trap, as I've said earlier, about, of trying to squeeze God into our concept. All of them... I was going to say, we, we have to be comfortable with not fully understanding God. Because we're not God, and therefore there has to be some wonder, there has to be some unknown about God, otherwise we would be God, wouldn't we? I mentioned earlier about what we believe standing on 1,600 years of Christian history. Here's a little bit of history. The important thing here is that the, the Nicene Creed, which we're going to go through in a moment, was actually recognized as the truth way back in 381 AD. Uh, I had the joy uh, three years ago now of being in Turkey 
uh, and, by, and being in Nicaea um, in modern-day Turkey. Um, but our belief, what we're about to share, goes back all that time. And those of us who've had any sort of Anglican background, I suspect Catholic background as well, but I don't know, I can't speak to that, may recognize the words that we're about to, to see coming up on the screen. So this is the Nicene Creed, the Creed, 1,600 years old. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that's seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, true God from true God. Begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. He was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. And was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who was spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. I guess, like me, many of you will have said those words um, and in many times it's been camped because we've not fully understood what it is that we've been saying. But what you see in there are those truths that we talked about earlier on. The Athanasian Creed... goes back to around about 500. Um, this isn't used as often um, because there are anathemas or condemnations included within it for those who don't believe in these, in, in these statements. So it's not used as often in the church. But it was written specifically to confirm the nature of the Trinity. And when we talk about Catholic, by the way, what we're actually meaning is worldwide. This is not to be confused with Roman Catholic. So that's why it's got a small c. So it's the global church. So there's one global, global faith. And for those of us who have been around the world and had the privilege of standing with our brothers and sisters in other churches around the world, 
it's amazing that they believe the same things that we do because there's one Catholic faith that worship the Trinity and the Trinity in unity, neither blending their persons nor dividing their essence. And I'll, I'll expand on this in a, little, in a moment. The person of the Father, and then you see what we read earlier on about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being separate but not being the same. And that their glory is equal and their majesty is equal and it's co-eternal. That's it, that is that all three have always existed. None of them were created by any of the others. They've always existed. So when we talk about this term essence, essentially we're talking about, we could say godness. All three members of the Trinity share that same godness. Uh, one's not any more God than any of the others, and none is more divine than the rest. We talk about persons of the Trinity. That speaks of particular individuals with characteristics and natures and roles, but they're not separate. And the Trinity, all three of them, co-eternally part of the divine essence. So you can see the challenge of trying to put all that lot into something as simple as ice, water, and vapor. It would just be underplaying God to such an extent, wouldn't it? A clearer understanding of the Trinity helps us to understand God's nature, but it also, <coughs> it also gives an increased confidence in sharing the gospel. I love those nature programs on TV. I've been really blessed by, by one recently on Cuba. And I look at those natural ecosystems and, and how you upset an ecosystem and you upset a huge balance within that God has created. But then when I look at the variety of God's creation, you look at those coral reefs and you think, God, why did you make all those fish with different colors and shapes and I just wonder at God's creation. But what I see within that is the unity within those ecosystems in the same way that I see the unity within the Trinity. So I see God's nature reflected in nature itself. And I see the, the three members of the Trinity working together in harmony. And that speaks to me of love and a recognition of difference and of different roles. And that helps me, I think, when I talk to other people, to perhaps have more confidence in the God that I know in sharing. This God 
as three in one, who allows for that diversity. You know, years ago, um, a few of us sat down, and we were a bit naughty, really, but we, we, we drew a circle. Sally will remember this. Um, and we took all the names from, the, from around the church, and we put them all around this circle. And um, I won't tell you how we categorize people, because you won't be blessed by it. But what we, what we concluded, what we saw, was a huge variety within the people within the, the family of SCF. And what we, what we marveled at was the way that we were all in family together, even though we had this amazing diversity. That just speaks to me of that, of, of God in the way it is. And, and in fact, that's what we're called to be, isn't it? We're called to be family, sharing with one another, loving one another. And one of the, again, if you're a visitor, we, we were called to come together on Sunday evenings um, a little while ago as church so that we could all hear from God. And one of the, the pictures that God gave us was of a round table. Um, round table speaks to me of uh, no hierarchy, of, of people sitting around this table sh- all sharing in the goodness of God. And that is what he's calling us into. And we'll, you'll, you'll hear more about that table and that picture. But God was so gracious in giving us that picture. Now, I said I'd go down into some scripture. If you really want to get into this, then I've got huge numbers of Bible references that I'm very, very happy to share with you. Uh, I've got a whole paper around the scriptural, uh, the scriptural basis. But I'm just going to, in the, in, the, in the interest of time, I'm going to go through and I'm just going to pick out one or two scriptural references for each area that we talked about. Is that okay? Right. So, one essence, one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. One essence. But then, the plurality of God. Genesis 1.26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Notice the plural. And there's, there's the... There's the great verse from Isaiah 6. And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Again, the plural. When we look, I'm sorry about the size of this, but when we look at the Holy Spirit, and we ask the question, is the Holy Spirit God? Well, The Holy Spirit has those divine attributes, everlasting, eternal, omnipresence, being able to be everywhere at the same time, omniscience, the state of knowing everything, 
And we see in 1 Corinthians 2.10, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And we also see in, in Luke 1.35 about the omnipotence. That's the quality of having unlimited or, or very great power. So we see that the Holy Spirit is God. Whoops. We've already referred to this, I think, this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The Word, the Son. The Son everlasting. All things made through him. And praise God that we have the Son interceding for us. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us approach then God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Only if the Son had come to earth as a man and felt the same things that you and I feel and being tempted just as you and I feel, and only if he descended back into heaven could he be stood there before God as your advocate and as my advocate before the Father. And we see Jesus himself in John 10, I and the Father are one. And Jesus willingly accepted worship from his disciples. Uh, the disciples would have been in Jewish culture, hugely sinful in worshipping anybody other than God. And Jesus himself would have been hugely sinful in accepting that worship. But we see in Luke 24, Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus willingly accepted that worship from his disciples. And this amazing quote from Philippians 2, 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And if you read on about how the Son came down to earth, giving up that glory 
of being sitting of sitting there in heaven gave up that glory and cast it aside but was still god when he came to earth and then we have this position of jesus coming down to earth as the christ and there was this in jewish culture there was this expectation from the Old Testament, that the Christ was going to come and he was going to deliver Israel. But because he was going to be from the, from the throne, he was going to be of the family of David, he was going to come from that lineage of David, they were expecting a royal person, somebody with a royal background. And yet, there they were with a carpenter's son. Uh, and um, that was their Christ, and they missed it. So, in summary, whoops. the Father, the ultimate source of all creation, the Holy Spirit, indivisible as part of the essence, the Son, co-eternal as part of the Trinity, unchanging, immortal, fully God, all things that were made were made by him, chose to empty himself by temporarily setting aside his glory and dignity to take up human form. And not only that, but he came to earth as a servant. What an example for every single one of us. And then Jesus Christ, here on earth, the embodiment of the Son. In end, at the end times, all powers and principalities will be made subject to his rule. I love this quote. The hands that placed the stars in the sky allowed themselves to be nailed to a tree. He that was perfect became cursed so that we can go free. Wow. So I'm going to... Is it okay if we ask the ministry team to come up? Yeah? Are we, is Jess going to twang a few tunes while we do that? or? <laughs> Um, if you've been challenged by that word earlier on about removing blockages or anything that I've shared this morning or even perhaps that's the first time you've really heard about God and about Jesus about the Son coming down to earth and dying for your sins so that you can be free you can walk out of here this morning completely free of those blockages, free from that guilt that may be holding you. People are going to come up in a moment. The ministry team are going to come up and they will be very, very happy to pray with you. Um, perhaps you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life. Then now is the time. If you feel those hairs on the back of your neck starting to rise, if you're feeling that sense of urgency within you, then please don't hold back. Um, we'd love, we'd be honoured to pray with you this morning. So I'm going to hand back to Sue. Thank you. Wow. That was um, quite a message, and I hope your brains are still holding